You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. A break from our regular programming for this special episode. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Welcome to another episode. I'm Raven Rollins, host of the Sirens Podcast, and this week we will be taking a roundtable approach to discuss satanic panic. Due to the volume of information we will be covering, the case coverage will be lighter than what you are used to because we have so many cases we want to touch on and not just in the Southern states or Oklahoma. If we have covered the case already, in a previous episode, or there's a documentary we recommend, I'll be sure to let you know after I speak about that case. So first of all, what is satanic panic? In simple terms, satanic panic was the societal fear of the occult, the devil and the unknown. It's credited with over 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse, also known as SRA, during the McMartin trials of the 1980s, where vigilante parents dug under a preschool in order to find the secret tunnels said to be used by the McMartins during their satanic rituals with the children they left in their care. Rapes, murders, and animal mutilations were all credited to satanic cults, and it has been compared to witch hunts all over the world during the 20th century and before. Talk shows and news programs helped fan fears, and the authorities investigated thousands of allegations all over the country. Even as cases slowly collapsed and skepticism prevailed, defendants went to prison, families were traumatized, and millions of dollars were spent on prosecutions. But it wasn't just the courts that were seeing satanic panic. It was everywhere. Parents feared for the worse when learning their children were listening to certain music, playing with certain toys, watching certain movies, or playing certain tabletop games. Smurfs, My Little Pony, Rainbow Bright, Dungeons and Dragons, and even something as simple as a certain brand of toothpaste. All signs of the occult and Satanism things that would steal your children's souls for the devil. The phenomenon was so sprawling that in its aftermath, it took on several names, like the ritual abuse scare or the daycare panic. But one name has increasingly stuck, the satanic panic. According to the Missouri Legislative Library, in 1980, Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Pazdar published Michelle Remembers, a supposed account of repressed memories drawn up through hypnosis. In the book, his patient, and later his spouse, Michelle Smith, claimed that their treatments had uncovered repressed memories of her parents' involvement in a satanic cult. Michelle alleged that not only had she witnessed sacrifices of human infants, but that she herself had been subjected to horrific torture, abuse, and even possession by Satan. The book earned Pazder and Smith a $100,000 hard copy advance, $242,000 for paperback rights, royalties, and a potential movie deal. 
Michelle remembers really propelled the thought of hidden satanic cults living amongst us as regular individuals, that anyone could be a satanic cultist that mutilates animals and sacrifices babies. It could happen in your neighborhood, your dentist, your child's principal, your teacher, the mailman, daycare workers. At any given time, they could snatch your children right up from under your wing and commit horrible acts against them. In 1980, more women were going to work by choice and necessity in the wake of the women's rights movement, and the country was struggling with the recession. Conservatism and the religious right were rising in power, and both emphasized the perfect American family. Good daycare was hard to find, and many parents felt guilty for relying on it when it had been normal for women to stay home and raise children in the not-so-distant past. After decades of denial, the public started to confront the problem of sexual abuse, especially involving children. The spark to light the fire was Michelle Remembers. Welcome to Satanic Panic. I did not anticipate it being this long, but then I wanted to invite everybody and their moms. So if you're here now, then you have already listened to part one, which we covered a bunch of... Um, witch trials and then there was a feed drop from Murder and Mimosas podcast in which they go into detail about the McMartin preschool um, trials and what happened there so that is something that we are going to lightly hit on later but if you hear that part and you're like what happened there uh go back to our feed drop and check out that feed drop from murders and mimosas boom a lot of people seem to think that this whole thing started in 1980 and i do not believe that one bit and i've actually created sort of a timeline that will show you and we're i'm just simply going back to i think i'm going to start in the 50s and 60s and show you a timeline of how everything just snowballs and gets bigger and bigger and bigger until there's an absolute mass panic and then you have actual real bad guys in the world who are contributing to that who are feeding off of that who are using that for their gain to create fear and be able to you know get away with things that commit crimes commit crimes and blame it on satan and cults and <laughs> So, we are going to start, um, actually, I am going to have Simon tell you about Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, which we see throughout the decades a lot when it comes to Satanism. Oh, yeah. And so... Good old Ed and Lorraine. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us about them? So, Ed and Lorraine Warren were famous in and around New England, uh... Going back to about the 1950s, uh, Ed was a self-proclaimed demonologist. Keep in mind, self-proclaimed. Yes. And Lorraine, a psychic medium. Also self-proclaimed. Paranormal <laughs> investigators. So while they took on hundreds of cases, they really only focused on demonic types. Some of their largest cases that were later portrayed in film, either with or without them portrayed in it, were the Snedeker House, a haunting in Connecticut, Annabelle the Doll. Uh, 
the Perrin family, which is now The Conjuring, right. the Enfield Haunting, which is now The Conjuring 2, mm-hmm. and of course, the legend itself, the Amityville Horror, right. and Arn- yeah. is it Arn or Arnie? It's Arnie. I thought so, yeah, mm-hmm. and Arnie Johnson, aka The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. The newest one, yeah. The last two of which we will talk about uh, more later. You can find uh, more uh, more about Ed and Lorraine in their new life story documentary entitled Devil's Road, the true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren on Discovery+. Plus. Yeah, so, um, again, <laughs> they did, they, okay, so they did create this wave of basically trying to prove that the devil was real. Like, that was their whole goal. It was super popular it, back then. Yes. And because you have, you know, um, all of this, this wave of satanic panic that I think is is starting to roll there in the 50s and 60s, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that they faked anything. I'm not going to say that they were full of crap. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that there. I, I truly believe throughout whatever we talk about here that there are people who believe what's happening to them who who truly believe what's happening besides we can talk about that on cryptids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we'll just put that over there yes. and, oh okay that'll yeah. make a good one <laughs> um but you know i think that the seeds were planted way earlier than, than there 1980. Of, there are loads of people who believe that every bad thing they do is because yeah. of you know the devil mm-hmm. but sure <laughs> Um, once we look into the witch trials, you know, we moved on to modern society, which is where we are now. And so we're going to take a look at the 60s and 70s on um, when, you know, serial killers were literally everywhere. Cinema was taking a dark turn with slasher movies, ghosts, and demons, the devil. Um, and then, of course, you have the Manson murders in 1969. And people were immediately aware of cults because of that. And, you know, they associated them with ritualistic killings and sacrifice and all this stuff because of that incident. It just kind of solidified cults at the time and that they could be satanic. It was the new scary sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's just what it is. You know, and, and then our culture as a whole is taking this turn down a dark path in real life and in pop culture no one wanted to pay attention to vietnam at the time so they <laughs> oh, needed they ex- needed something else exactly. to pay attention to and be mad at exactly compartmentalized yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. uh so moving forward here we're going to talk about of course it goes straight to the 1970s for this one with anton LeVay, the founder of the satanic church and writer of the satanic bible appears in uh, the documentary satanus the devil's mass Provoking more media attention and providing a vision of satanic rituals. Now, hold on. I got a, I got some things to say about this guy, okay? okay. Listen. Anton LaVey. Fascinating human being when it comes... But anybody who starts their own cult of personality is a fascinating human yeah. being. Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. Like uh, old Charlie Manson himself. Mm-hmm. Anybody who does this is usually a fascinating human being. Not for, like, you know, good reasons. Yeah. It's like, because I want to know... What happened to you in your childhood that made you this way? Exactly. <laughs> Anton LaVey was a cult leader in as much as a uh, in as much as Elvis was a cult leader. Anton LaVey was a superstar. Yeah. Was the okay. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a counterculture icon who didn't murder people. Right. He just made but he also lived in Hollywood, so he had access to a lot of fake blood. Right. Yeah. 
And also, this was the dawning of the free love era and everything, so mm -hmm. you get a lot of people who are very unhappy with having to wear multiple layers of clothing and very angry at things that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so he says, hey, why not worship the devil? You can be naked and angry all you want. So I don't know how much you know about this guy, but I was going to ask, um, is he the one that started the, we all stand in a circle and we're all wearing robes and we're all holding our hands up and we're all chanting and that, because that is, well, I feel like that's what people think of that. That is they the, do. the tropey satanic cult. LaVey is the one who was, who's given credit for those things. Okay. He is absolutely not the one who started those things. <laughs> well, of course not. Okay. Of course not. Yeah. Because you also have to think about the idea of how long has humanity been wearing robes? Oh, yeah. How long has humanity known about the circle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a thing. It's it, like... It goes back way you, further than 1970. To, ran to wrangle it yeah. all together, though, as far as that goes, no, you're looking for one Mr. Aleister Crowley. Right. Okay. You're looking yeah. for the Book of Law, the yeah. Book of Lies, the Book of Truth. You're looking for okay. Aleister Crowley. Okay, right. and he's the one who popularized the weird, eyes wide shut demonic sex cult things. Right. Okay. And Levey is literally just, pop cultured it. Levey <laughs> literally was just following on his heels. Okay, is what happened. But that's just it. By the 1970s, that was a key time when 1800s things started being pulled back out. Right. Early 1900s things. Mm -hmm. You saw you saw uh, you saw Led Zeppelin coming around with a lot of their uh, with a lot of their occult imagery, mm -hmm. bringing back the Lord of the Rings and referencing Aleister Crowley. You had uh, yet again referencing Aleister Crowley. You had Black Sabbath with right. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Okay, who was mm -hmm. also about yeah. to terrify the world 10 years later. I, <laughs> I'm actually glad you brought that up because I'll bring him up again later. So, yeah. absolutely. But <laughs> Anton LaVey, the difference between him and all of the others and why it was so hard for a lot of people to go, hey, wait, this isn't new, was the same reason why Kennedy beat Nixon. Television. Yeah. You could see... It seems new. It, think about our own generations now. Mm -hmm. When you get the internet mixed in and now people can communicate a lot faster so you gotta try harder to make a cult now yeah I mean, sort of but <laughs> kind of not kind really, of but <laughs> back then Tom you, Cruise <laughs> yeah right it's one of the reasons nobody wanted to pay attention to Vietnam and be all patriotic mm -hmm. about things like we were in World War II mm -hmm. because now you could see people and right. oh oh no yeah. Well, that's the same thing with Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey knew how to dress himself and look terrifying and also how to scare people. Yeah, yeah. before then it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. Pretty much. Yeah. You had to be there to I mean, think it was real. For, for the most part, like even even the example of um, the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, okay? yeah. Every, people, we knew, like everyone knew what was going on there. But I because mean, a lot well, of people back then couldn't read. Well, you're right. Yeah. But I think that there was a lot going on there that people turned a blind eye to. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know. Well, there was also still the social problems back then. The stigma. Of, even though we're all technically pilgrims, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, those five over there are landowners. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We work on this land. And mm -hmm. even though we all say that we're the same, they're the ones who can afford to take a bath every now and then. We're not. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, probably going to listen to what that guy says. It mm -hmm. was a, 
really a lot about the social hierarchy back then. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I mean, I think it still is. I think oh, it still it is, too. It absolutely yeah. is. It really is. I think that's just hidden more now. But It is. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the big dog on top, and everybody needs something to be yelling at from on top of that <laughs> mountain. Because otherwise, someone will climb up and throw them off the mountain. That's just what happens. Oh, yeah. And when yeah. someone can fake it mm-hmm. to make it, like Charles Manson, oh, yeah. people are going to listen to him. Well, Manson. Man. And Manson, half- Crowley, LaVey, everybody. Every single one. Jim Jones. All of them. And half the stuff that Manson said doesn't even make sense. It like, really does Like, to yeah. a rational person, he's like, hey, man, we're just all trying to live in our lives, man. And you're like, what that's are you I'm talking gonna, about? That's why I'm going to kill you. And like, it's what? like, how, how did you ever get people like, I feel like, truth, I feel like people just had ideas and he was like, yeah man live your best life like <laughs> in yeah, modern terms exactly and that that's the thing it's like that was counterculture in the yeah, 60s that yeah. was a violent statement back yeah then. yeah it was oh, yeah. just no maybe i don't want to shave <laughs> or bathe yeah shave bathe and maybe i kind of want to kill that guy it's like yeah okay wait that went too far charlie <laughs> whoa whoa buddy Oh, so, I meant I want you to kill that guy. Yeah, well, you know, he didn't get too much on his hands. No. I think the only he only had one person on his hands, which was that music. Yeah. Yeah. Music. Yeah. Producer, I think he did that. But. And that was literally 1969, okay? And then a year later, you have the foundation of the Satanic Church. And then that same year is a case that um, you've told me about before, Mandy, which is Jeffrey, Jeffrey McDonald. Robert McDonald. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sum that up up for us as shortly as you can. (laughs) He was a a former medical doctor at Green Beret. He was stationed at Fort Bragg. And his wife and two little daughters were murdered in February of 1970. And he actually blamed it on a cult. And said that some hippies, as he as he quotes it. That is so crazy. <laughs> There's so many times. <laughs> I know. That that's the thing. Like, yeah. them hippies did it. Like, you did it. <laughs> I know. they ultimately convicted him for it, though, right? Yes, but he, it has been overturned and <gasps> re, reinstated oh. many times. Um, he finally was convicted by the Supreme Court. And he has been in prison for a very long time. Well, yeah. But he was out for a really long time. And he, they came in, they said acid is groovy. Oh my God. Yeah. And one thing that's so interesting about this case is on the wall or the headboard, I say on the wall, the headboard um, in the bedroom where his wife was killed says pig. What? And so in blood. So, who does that remind you of? Okay, look at that. That is happening less than a year later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're saying that things don't connect. Copycat. Come on. And there was a a magazine underneath his coffee table they found that was Charles Manson. See, I'm really... Okay, so the theme, I think, one of the themes here is that things correlate a lot closer than you think. I have put these things in a timeline just to simply show you how closely these things happened to other events that you can be like there's no way that they were influenced by that i mean you know look back to old forms of entertainment and old think like old vaudeville actors and old uh, old people on stage telling you you want to get a good act kid you want to go find somebody who's a really good uh, talent at whatever it is you want to do then steal it oh yeah. yeah yeah if it's working for them 
Yeah, it'll, it'll work, work for you. For, it'll mm-hmm. work for you. Mm-hmm. It'll work for me. Oh, Charles Manson is a dirty, uh, evil hippie that everybody's looking at right now. Now's the perfect time to kill my family. Yeah. And yeah. blame it on hippies. Then, only three years after that, and of course, I'm skipping over so much stuff that has happened in these decades, but I'm just, I'm finding some highlights here. So, three years later, uh, we see the devil make his stand in the release of The Exorcist in December of 1973. So, of course, it imbued fear in the hearts of and the minds of all who did not understand demons or the devil or those who wanted to understand more. So the exorcist actually sold out theaters. Audiences flocked to it despite mixed reviews, waiting in super long lines during winter weather. Some even stood in those lines more than once and saw it more than once, more than twice, sometimes more than three times. Uh, Some viewers suffered adverse physical reactions while they were watching this movie, including fainting and vomiting to some scenes. There were actual reported heart attacks and one miscarriage, like reported while they were watching the movie and someone had to come in and take them out to the hospital. A psychiatric journal published a paper on cinematic neurosis, which was triggered by the film. And several cities attempted to ban this movie outright. And that was, so The Exorcist is, I think everyone has seen The Exorcist, right? Like everyone, up until today, everyone has seen The Exorcist. And I can remember that being one of the first, one of the first demonic type movies that I ever watched. Weird horror movie that I ever saw. And it was so, like no one had ever shown some of the stuff that they, they put in that movie in theaters before. Oh, like absolutely. It was it's with what, the cross and the, you know, oh, yeah. that part that I'm talking well, about. Like, not just even and the, the pea soup. Parts, <laughs> not just the blatant parts of that movie. The implications in oh, that yeah. movie from what's actually happening in their normal lives yeah. is really bad. Yeah. It's, like, it's not okay. And that movie, that movie still to this day thematically is one of the darkest movies ever made. Oh, yeah. It, now, oh, now yes. by modern standards, it's kind of friggin' goofy to watch <laughs> under certain moments, but I still get terrified whenever the girl's having the dream and Pazuzu's mm-hmm. face comes out of the shadow. It's like, nope, yeah. still bothers me. Uh, I'm, I'm well, nearly 40 years old, and that still, that still freaks me out. And that was one of the first movies that introduced such a large audience to demons and the devil and exorcisms mm-hmm. and and stuff like that oh yeah i think oh, there was yeah. a big just a big surge after that oh yeah of, yeah of what the standard was for those kind of movies did it play a role in what happened only a year later which was the amityville murders so the amityville murders took place at 112 ocean avenue in amityville new york on november 13th 1974 23 year old ronald defeo jr which was the eldest of the children confessed to murdering his entire family parents louise and Ronald DeFeo Sr. and his siblings, 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew. So, upon a police investigation, Ronald DeFeo's alibi of being at work and then the bar began to crumble. As police noted, the family had been dead before 6 a.m., 
and DeFeo frantically changed his story as he would several more times throughout the Amityville murders investigation. At one point, he claimed that the mob did it, that a hitman um, named Louis Fellini killed his family and made DeFeo watch. But Fellini apparently had an alibi. Like, they even checked in on it and was like, oh, no. Solid pillar of the community, that Fellini. It was like, like, whoa, 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 that was not me. That was not me. I was out of state. I've got the McDonald's receipt to prove it right here. Ignore that blood stain. It's just ketchup. And so then with all of this crumbling around him, I was on sabbatical. (laughs) DeFeo soon confessed to what was assumed to be the truth, which was that he murdered his entire family by himself. DeFeo stood trial on October 14th, 1975. His attorney, William Weber, mounted an insanity plea, stating that the defendant heard voices that told him to kill his family. Ah, the 70s. Yeah. DeFeo claimed that he was in the basement when an apparition, all black, appeared to him and handed him the weapon and told him to, quote, kill them all. Methamphetamines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. So he even claims that this apparition walked with him side by side as he moved through the home killing his his family members. He started with his parents shooting his father in the back and his mother in the head. And I actually believe the mother was shot more than once. I think she was shot twice. And then he moved to the two brothers' room, shot them as they slept, then to the two girls' room. He did claim that he shot um, the older sister, but the smallest sister was awake when she asked, and she asked him what was wrong. He told her nothing and to go back to bed, and she did, and once she was back in bed, he shot her too. That's horrible. Yeah. They were all found in their beds. All of them. Um, And so he killed six members of his family that night. Uh, they were all positioned on their stomachs, so that is kind of odd. And then they appeared to be shot with a high-powered rifle, a 35 caliber, at around 3.15 in the morning. Physical evidence suggested that Louise DeFeo and her daughter were both awake at the time of their deaths. With the mother, I know that there is um, evidence out there that some people say she was awake, some people say she wasn't. So, a lot of conflicting. Yeah, conflicting evidence on that one. That's such a sad case. They're all sad, but that one's just so much around it. Yeah, like, high-powered uh, rifle. I know. See, uh, a lot of people think it was a shotgun. Wait, it's not. It's not that. It's just uh, thirty-five caliber is actually a lower power, but it is more damaging up close right, right, because right, right. it's a low velocity. Oh, it spreads out. Oh no, yeah. it's a knuckle. Yeah, oh. it's it's a thirty. If it's thirty-five caliber, the only gun that shoots that is an out of may. They don't make them anymore. It's a Marlin. It's a thirty-five lever action, and mm-hmm. it shoots basically uh, the equivalent of nowadays a forty-five seventy, which is about the size of a knuckle bone, mm-hmm. and wow. it's not a shotgun. Slot. It's a bullet. Yeah, and they yeah. don't think that he walked into the room. They think he walked to, like, stand right in the doorway and then shot them from the doorway. Oh, yeah. But that's only, like, 10 or 15 Oh, absolutely. Feet. Yeah. Th- yeah, no, absolutely. Thality on a rifle like yeah. that is 100 yards, so. Yeah. No, I was about to say, because I think he learned that. I think, I think I saw somewhere that the mother was shot twice, and he did not shoot anyone twice after that. Like, it just wasn't necessary. Because there was yeah. too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. No, you, that, a gun that big, uh, that's not a survivable injury. Um, yeah. Um, You'd have to be grazed, Mm -hmm. basically. The strangest part about this crime was that there were no signs of any struggle present on the bodies or evidence that they were drugged. Right. No neighbors who were awake reported hearing any gunshots, nor was anyone in the neighborhood woken by the noise of the gun. 
Their right. houses, with just a driveway between them, only the DeFeo's family dog, barking into the night, was heard by a neighbor several houses away. The police investigation concluded that the rifle had not been fitted with a sound suppressor and found no evidence of sedatives having been administered, as initially thought, leading to speculation that someone in the house should have been awakened by the noise of the gunshots. The prosecution argued that DeFeo was a troubled man, but he knew that he was he knew what he was doing when he committed the murders. A jury convicted him on six counts of second degree murder and sentenced him to six concurrent sentences of twenty five years to life. Yeah, and and I just a quick point because there's a movie. Yeah, there's a movie. <laughs> and, and so in the movie, um, which is based on what I'm about to or what we're about to talk about, um, but in the movie it portrays the house as being uh, kind of like a standalone house on this little hill mm-hmm. and there's no neighbors around. And that's just not, it, that's it's not, not true. true at all. Like they were, they had very close neighbors, they literally did. their driveway between one house and theirs. So there were neighbors literally surrounding this house yet. No one heard gunshot. No one heard seven, at least seven gunshots, which bothers me about one very big thing in this too and I hate to point this out though how did he fire that gun without waking up anybody else in the house that's yes, yes. that's that's another thing that I'm I do not understand that I don't understand that that's some deep sleeping <laughs> well that that's case. why we had talked about uh-huh. you know I asked her if there was maybe a silencer and uh-uh. she said no nope. and then I said well did he did they did he give him something like earlier like slip something in the, the talks room? report said no that yeah. there wasn't anything in their systems. Now, granted, this was the talks report from from what, the year? 1970s. 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we'd been utilizing some of the major testing things. Yeah, this was this was 75. Yeah. But, well, no, they had the they had the uh, larger P test abilities by the mid 70s. So, but some of that isn't some of that ether not detectable. Well, some of it's not. Yeah. There, yeah, there are things, and I think that's what we had talked about off here is that there are some things and were some things that could get slipped through the cracks if you weren't looking for that thing specifically like you had to test for certain things specifically to find them but i i don't know if if they were tested for them or if they weren't or if they just did like an initial you know yeah. Ether and drug screening, like um, opioids or anything like that. I don't know. Well, what is fi- I find interesting to that is the six counts of second degree yeah. murder and not first degree uh, yeah, murder. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Right? It's so strange. But again, this was one year after the release of The Exorcist. And he's literally claiming that... The devil made me the, do the it. The devil made him do it. Right. That some strange satanic entity. And that is the thing we should be looking at here is that it wound yeah. up with that many counts of second degree. Yeah. When it's like you picked up a gun and murdered your family. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's almost like who buys in who buys into that? And that's why he got second degree. Yeah. Tell us about the Lutz family, Mandy. So in December of nineteen seventy five, George and Kathleen Lutz bought the house from what was considered to be a bargain price of $80,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I say wow because now, you know. The house is huge. Yeah. It's Wait, huge. no, no. Well, we can't talk about what's wrong with the world. We have no, to talk about what's wrong with people. <laughs> but I can say that it sold for several million dollars last time it sold in the last yeah. couple of years. So. Five bedroom, my yeah. God. I yeah. know. <laughs> 
Wow. The five-bedroom house was built in Dutch colonial style and had a distinctive gambrel roof. Um, So it also had a swimming pool and a boathouse. As it was located on a canal, much of the DeFeo family's furniture was still in the house because it was included for $400 as part of the deal. $400. They were just like, take it all. I'll give give me $400 for it. It wasn't shortly after moving in that the family began to experience really strange occurrences over the next month. And would turn into an outright demonic attacks. The family ended up moving out by mid-January of 1976, leaving the house and everything they owned behind in it. So that would probably include the $400 (laughs) furniture. That Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, They eventually sent for their things, having movers go in and remove what they wanted, never stepping foot inside again. I've actually heard of people doing that. Mm -hmm. The movers reported nothing out of the ordinary, nor did the next owners of the home report anything out of the ordinary. James Cromarty, who bought the house in 1977 and lived there with his wife Barbara for 10 years, commented nothing weird ever happened except for people coming by because of the book and the movie. So I guess driving by to to look at the house. Yeah. Yeah, and the movie based on all of this would be released in theaters in July of 1979. What happened in in during this little time period here? While his trial is going on, while, you know, uh, well, from 74 to 78, Ted Bundy was active. While there were many, 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 many serial killers active during the 70s, Bundy was an important one because his trial was the very first nationally televised court trial ever. Well, criminal court trial ever, which took place in June of 1979. The nation watched, and what many people learned is that the devil can look like the boy next door. Exactly. Yeah, so you have this this whole thing happening, uh, starting with the exorcist in, the sev- in 73. Ted Bundy becomes active in 74. You have the Amityville horror happening up until 79. The movie is released in July, and Ted Bundy goes on trial one month before the movie is released. And he was, I think, mm-hmm. to many people, the epitome of the devil. Yes, Absolutely. America was rife for a dark turn in their entertainment and nightmares. Oh, yeah. There is a lot happening there. And again, he was not the only serial killer that was active. There were so many of them active in the 70s. But this one was huge because it was the first time, like, I know we can probably remember, um, you know, us here, uh, OJ's trial. Oh, Oh, yes. I mean, we all remember watching that. I was there. In LA, when that I was really? saw his oh chase, gosh. yeah, I oh, saw wow. his chase. Yeah, I oh was my. there. Holy crap, man! Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> was like, there. I was yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just remember watching it on TV, and so I mean, you have the entire nation watching for the first time. You know this Bundy guy who killed all of these sorority girls and possibly 30-something other people across the country. People, like, this blew people's minds. They knew about serial killers and serial killings happening in certain parts of the country, in in certain counties, right, that were a lot of people didn't cross county lines. Yeah, and now you have somebody who could be anywhere at any time, any state. he looks like the guy who does your taxes. Yes, And he looks like the guy who teaches you English. He looks like the guy in the drive-thru He was an upstanding citizen before he he was found out. he'd come in and talk to you. He'd come up and just Mm -hmm. talk to you like like 
Yeah. Of course, that's yeah. how he got there's a lot of silver tongue devil. There's literally. No, there's nothing about him in any way, shape, or form that looks dangerous. Right. And I know. Yes, he is. And here he is. Yeah. And and the literally the world is watching as we say. And and again, something that we may or may not have mentioned. I know we talked about it off, um, not recording. But um, but when people don't understand something. When they can't, oh boy, yeah. When they can't wrap their mind around why someone would do something, it usually gets attributed to something that is already demonic in nature. Rationalize. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, I'm not stupid. This clearly was the devil. Ex- yes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, people don't want to believe that other people can be that. Yes, that uh, just evil. Yes, mm-hmm. harmful and evil, and that could really do those things to other people. Right? Everybody forgets at all times that we are all weird individual astronauts mm-hmm. floating around and never actually yeah. connected to each other. You're not in my brain room, and I'm not in yours. Yeah. Well, and during that time, too, there wasn't a lot of knowledge on mental disorders right oh no there wasn't they were still bonkers in the 70s and i don't mean people with mental disorders i mean men uh, i mean any form of psychological medicine Mm -hmm. the 70s was ridiculous man yeah we had they were just on the cusp of figuring things out and they were still doing Mm -hmm. barbarian stuff lobotomies and oh yeah Yeah. and so the last major lobotomy was like the 70s oh yes it was i think it was the 80s wasn't it like the early 80s i thought that i thought that like lobotomy was still considered a viable option up until the 70s. I think they it were was. doing more shock therapy. Yes, yeah, they were I was still yeah. doing shock therapy. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, I think they converted to shock therapy. Sorry, I watched that documentary on the guy who was the guy who made lobotomies keen mm. in America. Mm-hmm. That dude went like he went and tried, he was still peddling that into his 70s after yeah. it had been shown you're damaging you're people's brains. Yeah. Oh, yes, I know that the Kennedy's daughter oh, she God. had they yeah. did that to her. She had and a that was the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. So, 60s. I mean, yeah, we did not understand mental health. We didn't. No, and you because. have to find something to rationalize, like yeah. you said, in your brain because if not, then it's like you can't even almost live with, yeah, with the facts of what's going on in your community, right? Look, you, okay. Just to let you know, Mandy, you and I haven't had too much time to talk about this. Raven knows this. I am a (laughs) tremendous cynic. I'm a very, very large cynic. But it's one of the ways that I can say also that this is very, it's not that much different from, think, thousands of years ago, Mm -hmm. someone's cow is struck by lightning and Mm -hmm. explodes. It's like, well, the sky god is mad at me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have people who still don't understand the mind. Right. Well, then you have people who can still think that it has something to do with the soul. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it's okay to stab them in the brain. That's why it's okay Mm -hmm. to say, I'd only give like six counts of second degree murder to clearly first degree. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, so, you know, right after that, I mean like right after that, a couple months after Bundy's trial in October of 1979, you have the Fall River murders, which happened in Fall River, Massachusetts. And just BT dubs, Fall River, if you think that sounds familiar, you might have heard about this case, but Fall River is also where... Lizzie Borden did or did not take an axe. <laughs> take an axe. Give their <laughs> and give, give her their mother yes. forty wax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And when she saw what she had done, yeah. she gave her father 41? 41. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So allegedly. Same place. <laughs> allegedly. Same place. Go get him, Lizzie. Yeah. No, she is not a counterculture icon. Stop it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's like, right? It's like, why? Stop it. <laughs> On October 13th, 1979, Doreen Levesque, a 17-year-old sex worker, was found under the bleachers of the local high school by two joggers. Boy, so many of these stories start out this way, don't they? Listen, <laughs> yes, listen I'm telling you right now, if I haven't said it before, which I think I have, but if I haven't said it before, this is why I don't jog. Hey, don't this do. is why yeah. I don't hike. It's like, listen. Look, I mean, I, look at the teacher just recently. Bless her heart. I, know. I mean, yeah. you either you either find the body or you are the body. If you, I'm just saying. Listen, I love camping. I love being out in the wilderness. I have never once been camping without some form of very dangerous yeah. weapon with me. But it's because at the end of the day, I want to at least get a shot off mm-hmm. before Bigfoot rips my leg off and beats me to death with yeah. it. That, or I wind up on a hillbilly cult. That is a hillbilly thing. cult. Hey, man, those things are real. Jim I've seen one. Jim Jones becomes. <laughs> oh no, no, no! You see, real hill, real hillbillies. Okay, real mountain folk. They know how to keep it quiet. It's yes. like we don't want to advertise. Yeah. This is for yeah. us. And if oh. you found us, <laughs> that reminds yeah. me of that movie. Since we're speaking of pop culture, that reminds me of that movie, um, Wrong Turn. The original one is just very tropey, but the remake is. Hillbilly cult. That's oh, what it oh is. God. Oh, no, 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 no. No, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Okay. Anyway, well, sorry. Anyway, uh, Miss Levesque had been sexually assaulted with a baseball bat and bludgeoned to death with rocks and was identified only after police released a composite drawing to local newspapers. Barbara Raposa, a 19-year-old single mother with a history of sex work, was reported missing on November 7th, 1979 by her father after she had failed to pick up her son from a babysitter. She was last seen around 8.15 p.m. by a male friend who had dropped her off in downtown for sex work. Barbara's body was found by hunters several months later on January 26, 1980, in a wooded area on the outskirts of Fall River. Autopsy results indicated that she was killed shortly after she had last been seen. Karen Marsden, a 20-year-old mother and sex worker in the Fall River area who had frequent contacts with police, Karen had a loyal relationship with Robin, her pimp, and romantic love interest. Robin Murphy, only 17 years old at the time of the murders, was a pimp in the area and she was described as formidable and intimidating for her age and petite stature. She was set on running the sex work trade in the area. Karen was also afraid of another pimp, Carl Drew. Police said Carl Drew created a self-styled satanic cult to keep the people working for him in line, and he worked with Robin in order to keep some control of his sex workers. Hey, it's that thing I was talking about. (laughs) There were talks that Carl would take his girls into the Freetown State Forest and worship Satan. You know, I thought I hadn't heard of these, actually, but I just realized I have heard of these. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) worship Satan. Everyone has. He apparently called himself the son of Satan. Mm -hmm. It became so bad for that area in Vandal, uh, for that area, vandals and supposed cult schemes that they had a dedicated officer for investigating cults in the forest for over two decades. Detective Alan Alvis was the force's self-proclaimed expert on the occult. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It it was wild. Yeah. And this was, was this, 79? So, yeah. Uh, okay. So, on February 9th, 1980, police questioned Karen, one of the murder suspects, as a potential witness to the murder of Doreen Levesque, which was the the first one. So Karen refused to identify Doreen, uh, Doreen's killer. So apparently Karen was there and apparently Karen was there at Doreen's murder and had refused to identify 
her killer. Also refusing an offer of witness protection and asked police to drop her off at a church instead in Fall River so she could be protected by the priest there. That's how wild these claims of satanic cults in the area was at the time. So, of course, Karen was reported missing the following day by her grandmother. Nobody knows what happened to her from the time she was dropped off at this Woof. at this church to the next day where she was found, where her partial remains were in Westport, Massachusetts on April 13th, 1980. Um, and I'm not even going into half of the detail that is in this case. I watched a, um, a documentary on it, which I'll mention later so you guys can go watch that, but it, it was absolutely wild. So after admitting her involvement on the phone, she was talking to someone else, but it was being monitored by investigators. Robin was arrested. Um, she said initially that she had nothing to do with Doreen's murder, but that Carl later, she said that Carl had forced her to help him sacrifice Karen to Satan. Which means she was fighting by him back on being in this. Mm-hmm. So Robin said that they went into the woods, that she was instructed to pull Karen out of the car. She did so. She pulled her out by her hair. She apparently punched her several times until some of her teeth fell out. And then Carl ordered her to cut Karen's throat. Karen did, in fact, bleed out, although I'm not sure if that's exactly how that happened. Uh, After that, Carl apparently told her they had to decapitate her And then, after that was done, he performed oral sex on her head. Uh, According to Robin... Okay. I know. (laughs) According to Robin, he then punted it, kicking it into the air and into further into the forest. Uh, She said that Karen had, in fact, been a witness to Carl killing Doreen, which is why they killed her. I, uh, as an enthusiast of reading up on human culture (laughs) and uh, maybe some of the dark myths of society and everything, would like to point out, none of that would be even a competent ritual for summoning a demon. It's like, no, no. That's a murder. (laughs) That's, yeah, straight up. Straight up murder. And apparently there were. Not going to let my wizard brethren be drugged (laughs) through the mud like this. Thank you. Apparently there were other people that were present um, during this that all turned on Carl. Uh, However, uh, okay. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) So Robin was eventually convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to life in prison with, with the possibility of parole. Robin was also given a deal Okay, for her testimony against Carl. And so were these other people that were involved. Okay. So yeah, Robin's timeline doesn't actually add up. No. No. Yeah, she had a two-hour time frame in which she and Karen were seen together and when Robin was seen back at her home. Yes. But if things had played out the way she stated, she would have been home no earlier than four hours right. all after of being that. seen with Karen. Right, all of that. So Robin doing all alone of that or would, blame yeah. it all on Carl. Yeah. yeah, like doing all of that would have taken way more time 
than mm-hmm. she actually had. And so Andrew Malte, an alleged uh, cult member present for Barbara's murder, was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in that slaying and died in prison. Right. An alleged that was, that was... cult member <laughs> present for Barbara's murder. Yeah. And that was a different woman. That wasn't even, that wasn't Karen that or Doreen. That was a completely different woman. But that it's just an alleged cult just member. Just alleged cor- Yes. Was sentenced to cult life. Yes. He didn't even do the murder. Yes. He wasn't even <laughs> yes. complicit. He just was there. Yeah. He saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, I don't know why he wasn't given some sort of deal. I guess it conflicted. Well, because he wasn't with the one other of the ones. sex workers yeah. that clearly had something to do with this town. Okay, yeah. look, this is a dark, dark I know. story. That is. I know. Wow. And n- literally no one has been convicted in the killing of Doreen. Like, to this day, no one's been convicted for it. So, (laughs) Carl is serving a life sentence for Karen Marsden's murder. Mm -hmm. Carl claims his innocence to this day, of course he does, Mm -hmm. and says Robin was the murderer and the ringleader in it all. Don't know about the other ones, but I do actually think that he's innocent of Karen's murder. Oh. And you're about to tell me Really? Yeah. So, there was actually no evidence tying Carl to any of the murders. As a matter of fact, he had an alibi for one of them. Doreen's, in which he attended a wedding where several photos were taken of him there throughout the night. Yet he sits in prison to this mm-hmm. day. You can find more about this case by watching the Epics documentary entitled Fall River, which is in four parts. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, and it is it is a wild documentary. It goes into a lot of detail. Boy, that's got some innocent man vibes mm-hmm. written all over it, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. And, like, there's a bunch of other things if you watch this documentary that, like you'll learn about Carl and man, I, I just, I kind of get the vibe now. uh, Granted, I didn't super deep dive into this. So my opinions are moot, but I feel like that Carl probably didn't have anything to do with any of them, that he was, um, this other pimp, this versus, you know, Robin, and I think she was just trying to control the area in the time and needed to take out some people. And and Satanic Panic was huge at this, this was, time. This was when? 79? This was 79, yes. Okay, so. No, 19. this was 1980. Oh, oh God. Okay, so. Yeah. Uh, absolutely it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Because this is the... This is the beginning mm-hmm. of the modern pop culture zeitgeist. Yes. And absolutely, I can tell you right now, on the 80s, Led Zeppelin, was, at the beginning of the 80s, you had Led Zeppelin. You had the revival of so many darker fantasy things. Dungeons and Dragons had been out for about two years yep. at this point. Star Wars had just come out. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, it's basically the Lord, and, Lord of the Rings in space. Yeah. But that's just it. Everything was about fantasy and dark things like that yep. was sexy. So, of course, the pimp was holding satanic. You can't see my I know, quotes. I know. You, Air uh, quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Quotey marks right there. Okay. Uh, he was holding satanic rituals. Like, no, he was having sex parties mm-hmm. with people who were investing. Probably, yeah. Plus, this is the yeah. 80s, man. It's like cocaine was a thing by mm-hmm. this point. Well, and I do think that at the time, because of everything in the headlines, this this was right after Ted Bundy, right after the Amity. Oh yeah. I mean right after. And so the headlines, people were afraid 
of yeah. cultists, of satanic rituals, and no one knew how to question those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if she committed these crimes and then blamed it on him and said, oh, he's a cult leader, he's a satanic worshiper, how do you even begin to investigate that? Like, how do you how do you prosecute that? How do you go about that? Good like, Lord, yeah. And there was, no pre- of, there was no precedent uh, no, at the time. No, no. And on top of that, it instills fear. Well, and most communities did not want to deal with that. No. Oh, yeah. No. Mm-mm. Nobody, well, and especially, like, you have a twofold situation there. Nobody in that town wants to touch anything like that, but also nobody in that town wants to be known as the town that had that. Oh, yeah. Because right. that's back when that still mattered. Yeah. So you brush like, it under the rug. Yep. Like, now you can write a Yelp review on a town and just go, this place sucks. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and nobody, nobody, nobody cares, okay? No. But back then, it's like, yeah, your town's worth actually well, was its name. <laughs> because yeah. you want people to come to your town to live, to work. You want it to flourish and and thrive and grow. You're damn straight we have a blueberry festival, thank you very much, and you will not mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there, you know, having served on city boards, there is a lot of we're going to do this, this is going to be our way. Yeah, Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. We're not going to put that out into our community, so we're going to shut it down. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, this one absolutely reeks of like oh, yeah. everybody in this town was involved with this, and they covered this up. And it's it's so made up. And again, uh, this is the one that had the quote occult expert investigator. Uh, he was dedicated to that. So when you want to know who well, had a connection to the pimps and prostitutes, well, and here's here's the thing about him. Thank you, man. Um, <laughs> thank you. Here's the thing about him. If you watch this documentary, you will see that he is one of those that absolutely believes it. He believes it. He believes everything about it. He thinks it's 100% true. Like I'm going to have to watch this because... You're going to have to watch it. I mean, I did say, I did make the comment earlier about the preachers and the Learjets, and that's the same kind so, of person. I'm just saying there are All you got to do is make people is make people genuinely believe yeah. that you believe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It. And that's what I, I feel like... Create a religion, get away, get away with murder. Yeah. Well, people are looking for something to believe, and yeah. you're giving it to them. Every mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah. So, with the elevation of satanic panic at this time, it was definitely used as an excuse, I feel like, to cover up and do horrible, horrible things. Absolutely. Um, Because, you know, the knowledge that it would, you know, scare the public or anybody involved. It was also 1980. Nobody was quite ready to admit, is like, I think this might have been the government. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a a lot of more feasible options (laughs) now, you know. Okay, so then within just a couple of years, the next big headlining case was the case of Arnie um, Arnie Johnson. Uh, Arnie Boy, Johnson. Connecticut yeah. really is a nightmare I know, place. I, right? I know. I'm telling you, yeah. a lot of these things take place in New England, Connecticut. Like it's it's insane. I know. I knew a lot of it around the Great Lakes area, but I did not realize how much of it was in New England. Yeah, a, a lot, a lot. My goodness. And, um... Where the pilgrims were. <gasps> <laughs> but, you know, I liked... I, I This is why I took this opportunity um, to talk about all of these different cases, because we we limit ourselves 
you know, to the Southwest mm. and the yes. Deep South. And so hey. this is a great opportunity to talk about the nation and all these Never forget, things. everybody, you're capable of murder, too, in your own hometown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, Arnie Johnson, this, <laughs> this took place in Brookfield, Connecticut in 1981. So just a year after the last case we talked about. Um, this was the first known actual real court case in the United States in which, in which the defense sought to prove innocence based on the claim of demonic possession and denial of personal responsibility for the crime. Literally the devil made me do it. And that would be insanity. Well, but they weren't labeling it as insanity. They were trying to literally say he was possessed. Oh, stop. I'm sorry. I'm going to die. So, so this on. one, this is the one that I told you earlier was based off of that newer Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do oh, It. Oh, okay. Uh, which, don't get me wrong. Okay. They did investigate some of those cases, but Raven, they is give this, themselves. Is this one of the moments where we're supposed to believe the well, fantasy or something? I'm yes. I'm oh, just okay. I'm just saying, like with a lot of the cases that they say they covered and were fully involved with, they like barely had anything to do with. I'm just gonna state that right now. All right. But this one, on the other hand, was the one that they thought they could truly get people to believe the devil exists. And he can be prosecuted. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's almost like these people's ancestors were pilgrims. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, but where do you get him? I mean, yeah. <laughs> just Charles Manson, come on down. Man. Yeah, it's like, we're gonna need somebody else to stand in for the you know clearly abstract concept that is the devil. You're uh, the next that guy. Yeah, you're the next contestant on the prizes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not I'm not coming down for that. I'm not no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm gonna summarize my little part here. Um, long story short, there was this family, the the Glatzel family. They had an eleven year old in this family named David, who was apparently being plagued by a demon, stalked by a demon, and um now granted just remember that apparently David was the only person in the family who could see this man slash demon. Um, and he would have these attacks where he would be attacked by, by this demon. It got so bad. Okay. That they eventually called in Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay. To assist them. Okay. Um, they apparently witnessed a bunch of crazy stuff go down and decided that he, in fact, needed to be exercised. Okay. So, okay. sounds like the exorcist. So, yeah, I'm, no, that, I'm seeing the correlation. Awesome. No, I'm just yeah, saying. Totally. Child has <laughs> epilepsy. It's the devil. Okay. That's neat. So, along with the Warrens, they call in multiple priests. They petition the Catholic Church, blah, blah, blah. Um, they end up getting a formal um, exorcism performed on David for whatever reason they claim that it was too harsh on him whatever and so they couldn't um, complete yeah. it it's a smelly old man yelling in your face and hitting you with a cross <laughs> pretty sure you shouldn't be exposed to that pardon my bias I apologize <laughs> uh, they called this uh, a lesser exorcism there were like three of them performed a on lesser? this a yeah, lesser Quote, lesser uh, exorcism. The greater exorcisms and the lesser exorcisms. The lesser exorcisms can largely be performed by a single trained exorcist. 
A greater exorcism requires a longer ritual, multiple days and multiple people, and multiple yada, yada, yada. Lesser exorcisms also would contend with lesser demons, and greater exorcisms would be more along in, like, the devil, straight up Beelzebub, (coughs) those areas. Yeah, so... That's good for listeners to know, too. The greater fallen angel situations. The, like, um, if you want to think about it in pop culture, the exorcist would be a greater exorcism. Um, The... It absolutely would be. The exorcism of Emily Rose Mm -hmm. would be a greater exorcism so I, that's good for our listeners to really know the difference yeah um the one of the weirdly enough it's not a great movie but uh the order with heath ledger back oh, in the yeah. day yeah that, every single one of those they did is a greater exorcism yeah. because it requires okay. more than one in right. the ritual right and again it, d- it didn't matter if it was big or small they all had to be approved yeah like all of them had to be approved so they did three lesser exorcisms on this poor child uh, where uh, apparently he, uh, during this exorcism, during the last one, he levitated. He stopped breathing for a little while. Um, Why does a feather stick his support? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm also pretty sure that maybe mom just walked in right as the priest threw him across the room. Well, so. and, and he apparently demonstrated some sort of supernatural ability of precognition where actually had somehow told them of what would happen to, to Arnie later. I don't. I didn't find anywhere his exact words. I didn't find. It just said precognition about what would happen to Arnie later. Like everything that I read. So that Arnie would kill a person. That Arnie would kill someone. Yeah, I would tell that to somebody as well if they just locked me in a room with a priest. <laughs> say you're gonna kill somebody later. That's what I would say. So then let's just let's skip. So February. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. That angers me tremendously. <laughs> February sixteenth, nineteen eighty one, and only one year. Remember that book I was talking about? Michelle remembers only one year after the release of that book, and you know, in succession with all the things that we've talked about. So Johnson called in sick to his job where he worked at Right Tree Service and joined Debbie, his girlfriend, at the kennel. She was actually a dog groomer. And um, joined her along with his sister Wanda and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin Mary. And they had a landlord named Bono. I know. Uh, Sonny? <laughs> no, I forget. This gets forget deeper his, than I thought. <laughs> I forget his first name. But... Um, so the couple's landlord and Debbie's was also Debbie's employer at this kennel. Okay. So they were apparently out with this large group of people drinking and having a good time at, at this local bar. And they all got super drunk. They returned to the kennel where they continued drinking. Okay. Debbie took all these girls to get a pizza, but insisted they get back quickly because she just quote knew something was wrong. Like, I remember her saying she just knew something was wrong. So, when they returned, Bono, and it could be Bono, it's B-O-N-O, but I'm I'm just, like, it's better as Bono to me. Bozo, gotcha. <laughs> so, when they returned, Bono was intoxicated and apparently became an angry drunk. Uh, was very agitated. <sighs> Must be the yeah. devil. Um, everyone left the room at Debbie's urging, except Bono, who seized Mary and refused to let go of her, grabbed her by the arm. Um, Johnson, which um, Arnie Johnson, her boyfriend, ordered Bono to release her. Uh, Wanda, who was there, recounted the following events to the police. Mary ran for the car as Debbie attempted to mitigate the situation by standing between the two men. 
Wanda tried in vain to pull Arnie away. Arnie, quote, growled like an animal, then drew a five-inch pocket knife and stabbed Bono repeatedly. Uh, He died several hours later. According to Arnie's lawyer, Bono had suffered, quote, four or five tremendous wounds, end quote, mostly to his chest and one that stretched from his stomach to the base of his heart. That would be an upward disemboweling. Yeah. It's basically where you go for the stab into someone's gut and then you pull up. Oof. It's what the Bowie knife was invented. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's horrible. It is. Um, so then Arnie literally took off. He, he fled the scene. He left on foot. He was discovered two miles away, walking down a road covered in blood. Um, and the first, literally the first thing he said was, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember doing any of that. I don't know why I'm covered in blood. And this was the first, literally the first unlawful killing in the history of this town in Brookfield, Connecticut. Like no one had ever been murdered there before. <laughs> So, his yeah, defense lawyer argued in court that he was possessed, uh, that, but the judge ruled that such a defense could never be proven and was therefore infeasible in a court of law. So, the jury deliberated for three days after his trial, and on November 24th, 1981, Arnie was convicted of first-degree manslaughter for the killing of his landlord, Alan Bono. Um, though he only served five years of that sentence and the sentence itself was 10, 20 years. So he was out. He was, he was out for murdering someone five years later. Pretty insane. Wow. Which if it wasn't for the height of the situations, you could think about this pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's like, if this was any other time, it would have been, he was insanely drunk and became violent. Right. Right. And I don't know, um... I didn't see anywhere. I actually did look into this one a little more, but I didn't see anywhere that they had tested his alcohol levels or anything when they um, found him. So, I mean, especially if this was that sleepy of a town that they this was their first murder. They didn't do a tox they on him. Probably yeah, didn't they pro- have a lot of things for that. They probably did not know. You know what this reminds much. me of? So. There, I can't remember his name, but there's an actor in Hollywood that was on um, a show, and he's the one that w- went up to. He lived. He was a his landlord was this older lady, and he went and killed her, and then jumped from the balcony, oh killed my her gosh. dog. What? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I know who you're talking about. Um, oh, oh he was on the show. Um, this the really popular show. Um, what is his name? And what was the show? He was on Sons of Anarchy. That's it. Yes, yeah, the guy from Sons of Anarchy. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, they said he was this normal, nice guy, and then he just started downward spiraling. He never took drugs, never drank. They didn't find anything in his system. Well, Mandy, remember, everyone has their demons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it reminds me of that because it, it was in such a ritualistic no, way yeah. that he did that. That's so crazy. Everybody always explains psychological breaks as this oh yeah it's just like you know people can literally have so bad of a day and also with any combination of other things that it suddenly makes them behave the worst way they can imagine to behave rationally yeah well he had gotten to a car accident too before that and was never the same and so who's not to say that this arnie guy hadn't didn't have well yeah some kind of yeah he was 
I mean, he was traumatic young. Tra- you know, brain trauma. Look, I'm also not going to lie. From where we come from I and everything. How old he was, but he was young. From where we come from, that sounds like every drunken bar fight. Yes. Yes. That yeah. sounds like every drunken bar fight. Yeah. Somebody got real mad and started making the human mm-hmm. at them, mm-hmm. and yeah. then they pulled out a knife and changed the mood yeah. real quick. Mm-hmm. And if you've already got some, you know, mental health issues, that's going to escalate it. Alcohol is nobody's friend. What what he had initially said, because, of course, they, you know, once the judge was like, yeah, we're not doing that in court, yeah. um, they had to find a, a different defense. But um, what he had initially said was during that last exorcism of the 11 year old, which was his girlfriend's little brother, he was present. And at some point um, he told the demon to take him instead. Immediately, the little boy, David, was released from this demon, and then they they thought that it was gone. And then the sister, his girlfriend, actually said during this encounter when she was when he was stabbing this man, that he that she saw his face, quote, change demonically while he was stabbing. And so the whole thing was that he uh, took this demon on as some sort of um, hero in the story, it's, and and it's the a, devil made him do this. It's like a multiple personality. I know. Does and you know just like we were talking about with Johnny um, from the show, he they said he was climbing up the walls. Yeah. He actually climbed the what? walls. Yes, yeah. that's why I said it's in such a. And so it that's re- creepy. It reminds me, you know, just kind of of that, of the you know. You're just all of a sudden possessed with the devil, and you start climbing the walls, and you 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 know you say take the devil, take me instead. Yeah, really, check how just, sticky those walls were. It's just really just a yeah. mental health break. Is I, you know? Yeah. Listen, I have I am nowhere near as experienced in healthcare as uh, as Rick is, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that in the limited time I've done it. I have seen things that, yeah. oh, that's what people think is magic. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes, and that's, that is another point is that we always have to take into consideration not just mental health, like that they weren't really aware of like schizophrenia, bipolar, all these Multiple things. Multiple personality. Time. Multiple personality. Um, Hard dissociations like yes. are one of the things linked to a lot of observations oh, yes. of yes. magic and the ethereal. Oh, yes. Yes. The and, but, DID is. Oh, DID. Yeah. But also, we have to take into account drugs. Yeah. Yes. Now, let's Be- couple dissociations <laughs> Ex- with drugs. Yes. Are there any drugs that cause dissociations? Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, there are. There are plenty of them. And so, the ones who are doing these things and then saying later, I don't remember. Well, you, I mean, was it just a bad acid trip? Was it LSD? Was it PCP? Like, what were you, you know taking? What, what was super popular, or getting super popular in the beginning of the 80s, was methamphetamine mm-hmm. and oh, yes. PCP. Oh, yes. And yeah. it was blended with a lot of other oh, drugs. Yeah. PCP yeah, would be in marijuana. Yeah. And it's called smoking wet. A lot of people don't understand, like, um, <laughs> us non drug users. <laughs> we don't really understand that. 
people like to mix their drugs. They do. I didn't understand that for a long time, not until Rick was well, like well through, you know, working as paramedic. If Grandpa can make a cocktail, why can't yes. I? And it's not just them mixing in. It's not just them mixing hard drugs together. It's them possibly even mixing in their mental health medication it or is. or some opioid they got off the street a bad or combination. Yeah, just yeah, all the sorts come of down combinations. From this, the come down from this typically makes me feel a little sad, so I just blend my Zoloft in with it, and like that, okay. <laughs> Please don't do that. But so there could have been a lot of reasons for people to act crazy. Let's just take into consideration, and I believe it was like around 2009, 10, 11, 12, when we had that huge bath salts thing happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. No one knew what bath salts were. But everybody we, knew what zombies were. Yes, exactly, and we <laughs> That's thought... That's true. Everyone, I mean, the entire nation thought that it was, it was, we thought this uh, it was, was a zomb- panic. We thought this was the zombie. We thought plague. it was the zombie it apocalypse. Yeah. Um, because there were people It doing, looked like it when that guy was on the highway. Yes. It looked like oh, yeah. a zombie. There were people doing things that you, as a rational, sober person, could not understand. Like the guy who ran down the highway and jumped on people and was trying to eat their faces off. Yeah. Naked. And, naked. Yeah. And the the guy who just decided that he wanted to eat his um his roommate and munching on his parts when they found him. Like The best part of the drugs nowadays that also come with those side effects coupled with yes. necrosis. Oh my you get God! Trank yes. and yeah. crocodile into people, yeah. and that causes your muscles to rot out, and you go crazy. And I mean, just like you were just saying, like the people will always figure out how to make a new drug. Oh yeah, by oh, mixing, matching, yes. whatever, whatever is going to be hot at the time. Oh yeah, and they can sell, and it's going to have new side effects. People are not going to understand. So there's plenty of cases where it could have been drugs. So moving on from that, um, just a year later, mm-hmm. June of 1982, this is where Poltergeist is released in theaters. And the strange things that surround this filming, um, as well as the context of the film itself, you know, added to the fear of demons and the undead. A lot of bodies involved in that movie. Well, and the older sister, Dominique Dunn. That was right. Her name. Yep. Dominic. Yeah. And her dad was a famous, you know, he's a famous uh, people f- author. People thought that that whole set was just cursed. Yeah. That it was just huge. Numerous cursed. parts of the production crew who said it too. It's like, yeah, no, 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 you can leave that off my resume. I don't want anybody to know I had yeah. anything to do with Poltergeist. I think I've told you this yeah. before. Oh, yeah. I always think of Poltergeist yeah. like the the next phase of the exorcist because then you have burial grounds and you have mm-hmm. oh you've it's got something gotta, worse yeah, yeah. too with poltergeist you, that movie got its own like renovated zeitgeist a couple years later when the young daughter the act not the oldest daughter pardon me actress mm-hmm. died well the oldest right. daughter died too that's what i'm saying the yeah old, and the, the youngest one yeah i know the youngest yeah. one died later but when the oldest one the oldest one died first from she the was twisted murdered. she i thought the youngest one was the one who was murdered no the youngest one died of a gastrointestinal i thought it was the oldest one who died no. of a gastrointestinal <laughs> issue the oldest one um was strangled in her lawn ah uh, okay oh, yeah which adds to that then because then especially if it's one of the only things you've been in then other people who don't know any of this yeah. we'll see this actress in this movie about poltergeist yeah. was murdered Oh. Well, then the second the second um, movie, the American Indian guy that was in the main movie, he was murdered too. Yeah, in real life. There's a lot of people who died. We're looking at you, Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. the only one that Why lived. Are you What's still the alive, problem? Craig T. Nelson? <laughs> what did you do? What did you do, yeah. Craig T. Nelson? <laughs> 
And it, it plays into satanic panic as well. I know that it mm. is mostly about ghosts, but uh, it plays into the things of the unknown attacking mm. you that must be evil. Well, yeah. a lot of people after that movie would move their TVs out of the yes. room yeah. Yeah. when they were sleeping mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, because of that movie. And just like at the end of the first one, they yep. moved the TV out of the motel room outside. Yeah. And so it really affected people. People really, yeah. you know, I even remember watching it, you know, as a child going, I don't want my TV in my room. See, yeah. everyone I knew was afraid of the TV. I was afraid of the, t- of like recliners for years because oh, really? of that part where the recliner yeah. takes off. Oh, yes. It's like, no, yes. thank you. I don't need that. Uh, for, for me coming out of that was, which uh, Simon, you already know that I have like this weird fear of, um, water I can't see. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the lassophobia. Yes, the lassophobia. Okay, so that's me. And for me, it was the dugout swimming pool with oh, all yeah. of the oh. skeletons, the water, yeah. which was even worse later when I found it. Those were real human bodies yeah. that they had got from some science thing down there. Like, oh my gosh, I was yeah. like... Those were not prop bones. No, they were real. Moving on to the McMartin I, stuff. I, I want to talk about this one. So... With all this, with the Poltergeist movie coming out and the early 80s being the dawn, the true Mm -hmm. dawn in the public zeitgeist of horror and its firm roots now taking in as a literal genre, even though it's been around as long as humans have been telling stories. And you got all those slasher flicks coming out Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have all the slasher Mm -hmm. flicks. You have all the weird movies, too. You start getting not just... uh, You have The Exorcist. You have Poltergeist. You have Nightmare on Elm Street. These are not just murderers. These are weird things. Yeah. In late 1983, in Manhattan Beach, California, where my dad was born, by the way. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. The Martin, uh, the McMartin family, owners of a preschool, were accused by a parent of molesting children under their care. In 1984, seven McMartin family members and staff were charged with 115 counts of child abuse. That's a lot. Later expanded to 321 counts wow. of child abuse involving 48 children. During the trial, Accusations were made that the alleged abuses were satanic in nature. Mm-hmm. Claims that the abusers had dressed as ministers or Santa Claus to help cover up their abuse were mingled with even more outlandish stories involving hidden tunnels under the preschool and claims that one of the abusers possessed the power of flight. Yep. Yep. In the aftermath of the charges and the publicity that surrounded them, more than 100 other preschools faced similar accusations. The organization Believe the Children was formed to promote the theory of ritual satanic abuse happening across the nation, particularly in preschools and similar facilities. Now, by the way... Because I've read on this case mm-hmm. for years yeah. as a, as unfortunately as a counterculturalist myself and just who I am, mm-hmm. you have to read about this case. It's the reason why every very angry lady wants to come tell you why you're wrong Yeah, is this case. This is where so much of it comes from. But also, if you've ever heard that joke, what about the children? Yeah. It's from this. Yeah, and and it didn't just affect this specific Affected preschool. Everything. When this came out, um, everyone thought everyone thought their own preschools were doing the same stuff. And then it graduated from preschools to yeah. schools, yeah. To, uh, all the way up to colleges to other churches. I think that <laughs> I saw somewhere somewhere that in total from this stemmed twelve thousand allegations. Yep. Of 
ritual child abuse in in just preschools. This mindset was insane. This is the one that stuck around too, because I can tell you, I was eight years old. Full disclaimer: I am baptized. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Me too. Full disclaimer: But the church that I went to was built old world style, and the church across the street that was way more powerful was built modern projector style Mm. and aluminum siding style. And I will never forget being eight years old and a friend of mine at school knowing it found out that I went to that church and him saying, we were told at our church that you guys do like rituals in the basement. What? And it's because our church was built in the forties and it had a basement it had a boiler. Wow! That church used to be a used to be a public uh, elementary school in in the town, and so it had a large scale boiler room. But I mean, like anybody from our generation, you go down there, it's like it's Nightmare on Elm Street down there. Yeah, it's just an old it's just an old boiler though, and uh, like we no nobody goes down there. It leaks. <laughs> it's like nobody goes down there because there's mold. That just shows you how easily rumors exactly. fly because oh, and how you get yeah. them into kids yeah. first yes because the and the thing about getting them to the children first is that children have such huge imaginations and they don't remember what they're quote supposed to say and they're being told to them by the people they're supposed to trust right yes and so things are going to evolve and change and that's all the better you know exactly. so Exactly. Yeah, it, it was pretty insane. Um, and then, when was this? This was... That was uh, 83. 83 is when it began, and then the trial was 84. So then, in April of 1984, through August of 1985, guess who was around doing some dirty stuff? The Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, was active during that time. He committed 13 murders, 5 attempted murders, and 11 sexual assaults on women and children. Now, he's important to this because he actually claimed himself that he was a Satanist um, and he had this high interest in the occult, which obviously just fueled the fire. People cling to ideals. They do. To instill fear, yes. In early 1985, police raid a suspected cult house in Holland, Ohio, and confiscate rock music records, claiming they promote satanic activity. Rock musicians such as Ozzy Osbourne and ACDC are accused of contributing to satanic activity. Can I add to that? Yeah, of course. Beatles. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. for Manson. Well, I mean, yeah. Helter Skelter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. but also, like, Love they that. only knew of Ozzy Osbourne and ACDC because of MTV. Mm-hmm. That's it. So they're like, those guys are evil. No, the music producers were evil. Well, I, I also think that they thought that MTV at the time as a whole was evil. Because, oh, yeah. Because you had rock music coming out with big hair, and a lot of them weren't wearing shirts, and it mm-hmm. was the devil's music. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was back in Elvis days, too. And you see how that didn't change into the... I think it's one of my absolute favorites where all the pictures you can look up historically of, like, protesters against Elvis Presley. And it's like, y'all do realize that he was a white boy from the (laughs) South? It's Mm -hmm. like, that boy was more religious than most of you. (laughs) Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. No. Yep. And so then, now we're in... The mid-80s, so May of 1985, uh, 
the news program 2020, which has been running that long, yes. Oh, yeah. 2020. Um, ran a segment on sat- satanic worship that described animal mutilations. Satanic worship and animal mm-hmm. mutilations. <laughs> clearly, okay, quote, clearly used in some kind of bizarre ritual. Uh, in quote, rock music, quote, associated with devil worship, satanic graffiti, and backward messaging in pop songs. It's just quote. because they use the devil's mm, chord. I know. That's all it is. Subliminal <laughs> messages. We killed Paul. <laughs> <laughs> the host, Hugh Downs, at the time, opened by saying, quote, police have been skeptical when investigating these acts just as we are in reporting them but there is no question that something is going on there and that's sufficient reason for 2020 to look into it end quote that's how you say one thing and make everybody hear whatever they want <laughs> I know exactly that's how you do it I mean they did literally say we think this is horseshit but then but we'll it, let you decide yes exactly please exactly. keep watching our show like they still did they still did the episode on it fueling the fire mm-hmm. so well yeah <laughs> you gotta get people to watch TV um the correspondent Tom Jeriel said, quote, Today we have found Satan alive and thriving, or at least plenty of people believe he is. See, you didn't have to start it that way. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like, mm. alive and thriving in people like Ted Bundy. Yeah. That's yeah. the sociopaths, the psychopaths are the ones that kill the animals. But I think people take it as in he's sitting next to you. It's it's Satan and there's he's a, sitting next to you. There's a literal goatee <laughs> yeah. man in yeah. a bright red devil costume yes. sitting next to you saying, kill your family. <laughs> yes. That's what these people are thinking. Uh, he, yeah. Tom also said, quote, his followers are extremely secretive, but found in all walks of life. Not that secretive, quote. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Only near the end of the report did he say, until evidence was proved, quote, the link between crime and satanic cults will remain speculative. Oh my god, that is just more fuel for the fire. I know, I know. Because that's basically like saying the truth is out there, go find it. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing. Yep. So if you, if you don't like our answers, uh, <laughs> just make your own. <laughs> just make it up. Why not? Yeah. Just make it up. So in 1986, James Watt goes on trial charged with multiple counts of child abuse at a private daycare. 18 children testified to various acts of abuse. Defense lawyers said that children initially denied the abuse, but told bizarre stories after repeated interviews. Watt is sentenced to 165 years. In the same year, so 1986, daycare workers in Carson City are accused of abusing 14 children. Children told of the murders of adults, animal killings, drinking blood, and other rituals. Yeah, so again, it wasn't just the McMartin daycare. It was all over the nation, and it was ongoing. Uh, It lasted close near to the the whole decade. So, continuing, in 87, a list of indicators... Quotey marks yeah. was published by Catherine Gould, featuring a broad array of vague symptoms that were ultimately common, nonspecific, and subjective, purported to be capable of diagnosing SRA, Satanic, satanic Ritual, ritual abuse. abuse, in oh most goodness. young children. Mm-hmm. Among these symptoms were multiple personality disorder, mm-hmm. now known as dissociative identity disorder. Mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, and self-harm, 
Yeah, PTSD, it's not caused by, you know, yeah. horrible things it's that Satan. other people did. You, It's Satan. Yeah, exactly. So if you had any of these symptoms, you could be labeled as being abused by a satanic cult. Mm-hmm. By the late 1980s, allegations began to appear throughout the world, assisted by Gould's list of indicators. <laughs> Belief in SRA spread rapidly through the ranks of mental health professionals. which Actual is... mental health professionals. Yep through a variety of continuing education seminars during which attendees were urged to believe in the reality of satanic cults, their victims, and not to question the extreme and bizarre memories uncovered. Proof was provided in the form of unconnected bits of information such as pictures drawn by patients, heavy metal album covers, historical folklore, and devil worshippers, and pictures of mutilated animals, which you literally just described most (laughs) Renaissance art. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, these were literal doctors. Yep. I, ca- I cannot believe that I even came across that when I read it. Um, and that was in some sort of scientific review something. Yep. But um, I actually wanted to ask Mandy. So. <laughs> I have no words for this. <laughs> if you were instructed to attend one of these seminars, what would you have thought about that? Like, while attending it like would you come out of there going i am not going to spread this crap honestly i would have started dying laughing (laughs) i mean i'm just being honest i would have started dying laughing hysterically are we here to talk about the brain or are we here to talk about the ghoulies the ghoulies the ghoulies in your blood yeah i would have started dying laughing hysterically made it made a scene probably by people looking at me laughing and then i would have got up and left you know the messed up thing is though too i mean it wasn't it it was the 80s when a lot of other psychological doctrine was changing for the better mind you Mm -hmm. but it was like it was around this time that there were they were finally starting to treat things like um it like some of these issues as Mm -hmm. legitimate health concerns but also this was right around the time that they a lot of places finally stopped considering you know being queer a mental illness well i mean this is 87 so they obviously know at this time what multiple personality disorder is they know what ptsd is and did so they know what these things are or that people can have them i should say they've witnessed they've witnessed these things but i think they still did not exactly know how it came about or how to treat it and so some of these doctors were like man satan yeah. It's got to be demons. It's got to well, be demons. Because instead of doing the research. Demons right? in your blood. Yeah. And yeah. doing the research and really looking at, you know, doing case studies yourself. Yeah. Or, or reading, you know, other people's, other doctors' case studies. You just, you want to find an answer. Mm-hmm. Because you want to be the one with the answer. Exactly. And I do think that there was a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that a lot of doctors probably went oh I can get in front of an audience now if I say X thing there's also the huge thing that's never been sexy and and I say that on purpose it's never been sexy to the public to remind people that free will is kind of a concept when Mm -hmm. it comes down to your experiential learning and your conditioning Right. and yes you can cult leaders can easily brainwash people who are open to suggestion mm-hmm. but so can mcdonald's uh, you're not wrong so can you're not wrong a bad teacher 
Yeah, you're not So wrong. can literally any book you read. Mm-hmm. The human brain, it's literally how it expands, mm-hmm. is it learns. And when someone capitalizes on that learning, well, that's where you get rumors and beliefs and boogans in the night mm-hmm. taking over your kids. Mm-hmm. Well, and once you kind of invest in it, you almost don't want to admit that you shouldn't have. That's the other part. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and you don't want to. So you see these... You know, you see this a lot with narcissism and domestic violence and people get, they get involved, this happens and, you know, to them, this narcissism, not their, you know, their partner does this to them and then they're almost like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do because I I don't want, this person's my everything now and I don't want to admit that. Yeah. There's anything that I shouldn't have been involved. With yeah, I mean, or that I should leave and I'm not. Or... And that's not their fault in any way, shape, or form. But yeah. it's it's hard for people to wrap their mind around the fact that someone else could do these things, right. and so they want to just push it off on something else. Oh no, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to see that in your partner or someone yeah. that you, you know. When you see those people who are experts in a field on something, and then it comes out they were being like literally an abuse or a crime was committed against them that they literally knew how to recognize and they couldn't. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, that's how this happens. Yep. That's how people like this. That's how all the, that's how all the serial killers, every single one of these people can make people do things. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason that anyone who has ever believed a politician will believe them. Oh yeah. Yeah. The same reason that you think that those health facts on the side of the McDonald's wall are actually, you know, relatable health facts. It's like, instead of eating sand, it's, that's it. (laughs) It's why it's because you want to believe that because the alternative is not something you're willing to uh, accept. Realization. Yeah. Yeah. It's realization that people, and I've always been a firm believer. We don't truly know anyone. Mm -hmm. We do not. It's just, it yep. does not happen. We don't know what's anyone's, what's anyone's heart. We mm-hmm. really don't know what someone's next move is going to be. We don't no. know if they've been working something out in their head for a really long time and they're right. just keeping quiet about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. And the realization of having to admit that someone that you put trust and faith in can be that person. Right. Mm-hmm. The alternative is blame it on a cult well, or blame yeah. it on. Yes. And that's why we have so many, uh, we saw so many serial killers that were married with families. Yeah. And the wife is like, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I think. He's a good and loving now, husband. I'm and not. Like, yes. Yeah. And, but I'm not saying that they actually really believe that. I think that there was a, there were points in which they suspected. Oh, now, I'm sure. not saying that they suspected that he was a serial killer. Well. But I'm sure that they suspected something and just had that mindset of put it out because the alternative is that he's cheating on me or that he's the, this, that, or the other, and, and that can't be my reality. Look, at the, look at the Iceman. Mm-hmm. Look at the Iceman. Uh, criminal, uh, criminal mafia uh, hitman who literally had the same wife, his th- uh, two or three daughters, and the only thing they knew was that daddy had a temper. Yeah. But he never, ever did anything towards his family. Right. And and, and this is a dude who literally yeah. admitted when he was finally arrested for something over like 120 murders. Oh my this, God. Yeah, he was paid to do it. But this is a dude who admitted, is like, I never felt a damn thing with any of them. Jeez. Like, and when asked, like, when asked, like, wait, like, why didn't you ever take anything out on your family doing psychological profiles on him was the only times he'd get mad because they were his family. Yeah. 
It's yeah. like you don't understand people's convictions no, and don't. what they will no. are capable of. No, no, and you have to remember that some of this might be conditioning. Some of it might be situational. You never know how someone's going to react in a situation that you have both never been in before together. Exactly. And so, yeah, it, it's... Unfortunately, it too, the problem is with realizing that is then you get a bunch of people afraid of everybody and then the cycle yeah. goes over again. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So later in 1987, there was another workshop about the dangers of Satanism in, and is presented in the city of Rockford, Illinois, after a son is accused of murdering his father and fellow teenager in some sort of satanic ritual. I remember that one being kind of vague. I, it, I, I've, it was, I've heard yeah. that one. That one was more, that one was weird because it largely gets pointed to as being more of an advertisement for the mm -hmm. workshop. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes, and that plays into what you were talking about. You can mm -hmm. sell anybody anything. Yeah, <laughs> Make especially anybody if believe you know anything. what's popular right now. What's, it, yes. the, what's the most popular fear thing? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And of course, the one that gets associated all the time, yeah. 1988, teenage Dungeons and Dragons participants in Lancaster, Wisconsin are accused of animal mutilation and planned baby sacrifices in satanic ritual context yep. and followed shortly after, I believe, by the one that was the, um, that's what the Tom Hanks movie Monsters and Mazes was based oh, on. Yeah. The kid who died in the, uh, in Madison, I think it was Madison, Wisconsin, mm. died in the uh, uh, steam tunnels underneath uh, the school and because said they were playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons oh, and everything. And yeah. no, they were just the first LARPers. For those of you who don't know what that is, <laughs> that is a live action role play. It is yeah. something that tremendous nerds like myself yeah. have participated in. And no, we don't do that. No. It's like nobody no. ever sacrifices a sheep. Sheep are cute. It's yeah. like they're really cute because so are goats. No, and, and the Dungeons and Dragons thing... Uh, that one lasted at least four Dungeons and Dragons for a long time. A really long time. It's because it was popular and it was yeah. huge. It was, I mean, it started in the late 70s, but it exploded yeah. in the mid 80s and it became such a huge thing. And then anytime anything cool comes out, there's got to be somebody in a church yeah. going, it's evil because they don't want to go to church. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, and, um, and this is also just, by the way, since we're talking about, like, pop culture, um, so Dungeons and Dragons, I know if you guys know nothing about it, you have at least seen it in Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, the uh, character of Eddie was based off of um, Damien Eccles, who was involved with the West Memphis Three stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a whole episode on that later. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons was a huge thing. Uh, it was very popular with with people who like to use their imagination. <laughs> well, it was also, it immediately was set upon by the nerd culture of the mm -hmm. day because we still had 1950s ostracization events for right. nerds. I mean, right. there's a reason that if you go, okay, if you ever, if you go watch the original Revenge of the Nerds movie nowadays, that movie is problematic as hell. Oh yeah. But yes. there's yeah. a reason that movie took off 
because literally that was everybody who made anything happen mm-hmm. in the world and they weren't supposed to feel good about themselves. Right. So you give you give nerd kids who are not going to be on the football team, who are not going to be cheerleaders, mm-hmm. but you give them the option to like do these cool things that Led Zeppelin talked about right. on an album or Ozzy Osbourne talked about yep. and get to hang out and feel cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do that. Also, old D&D, you kind of had to be smart to play. Yeah. That shit made no sense. <laughs> so, yeah, you have uh, people who are not your everyday heroes getting to pretend to be everyday heroes. Exactly. Yeah. And, of course, we can't allow that. Yeah. So <laughs> We can't allow that. So that is part of the satanic ritual. And and I think we were even talking at one point about um, other games like Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. Oh, and, yes. And stuff like that. Like, you were part of the occult. Oh, yeah, we used to do that when I was little. I we did, all yeah, we did play too. that. Or play the... Um, the Candyman in the mirror. Oh, that yeah. That one scared me. I'm yeah. still scared of the Candyman movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to admit it. Because <laughs> hey, look, the original one's a great movie. I love that movie. It's and like, then, yeah, you had, I mean. I'm remembering, a, I'm remembering a joke that that Rick and I laughed at really, really hard about Dungeons and Dragons being interpreted as evil. It's like, because math is hard. Dang yeah. it. Yeah. So it's got to be evil. It's got to be evil. <laughs> I'm just laughing here. I don't know. I, I mean, think it might be. <laughs> Manny, math, no. <laughs> I think math might be evil. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's so funny um, because uh, we love it so much that we are starting a whole new podcast at some point where we play these RPG tabletop games. So, so if you're interested it. in the <laughs> devil, <laughs> come on over. <laughs> in the devil. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> ah, moving on. Okay. So, so yeah. also in 1988 is when Satan went to primetime when NBC aired the special Devil Worship Exposing Satan's Underground hosted by no other than Geraldo Rivera. Mr. Gerald Rivers himself. And got the chair thrown at him. Well, he was super, 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 super popular. Yeah, he He was. was. At the time. And so this was huge for the Satanic Panic movement. Um... So they had a man named Pete Rowland, uh, a Carl Junction, Missouri teenager, charged alongside two others in the 1987 murder of a classmate. They interviewed him uh, due to the allegedly satanic nature of his crime. So over the course of this special, Rivera alleged that thousands of children were being sacrificed by satanic cults in the U.S. every year, and that metal music and marijuana were in part responsible for leading many teenagers to satanic worship and horrific crimes. Gotta watch out for that goofy grass, yo. Um, On this special, they even interviewed Ozzy Osbourne about... Why am I here? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they were just like, we can't understand what he's saying. He must be speaking the devil's language. This isn't the bathroom. (laughs) Sharon. 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 Help. I'm lost again. (laughs) Help. So exposing Satan's underground actually became the highest rated television documentary aired up to that point. They had 20 
million viewers. I've seen it. Which absolutely put Satanic Panic in front of everyone who had never seen it, never heard of it. And 20 million new people people knew what they needed to be scared I of. I bet my parents watched it. Oh, oh I yeah, I did too. I would have yeah. been three years old. I, I, yeah. I bet they would have. So in the years that followed that, hundreds of documentaries like it aired on every major network. So that same year as the Geraldo Rivera special, the Lost Child Network is established in Kansas City to investigate satanic cult activity. So that's interesting because I... (laughs) To investigate legitimate, quote, air quotes, legitimate cult activity. Are you a real cult? (laughs) No. No. Oh, okay. Don't don't be culting around here. What happened to that goat, barbecue? And I love, right. I love my Kansas City, but yeah, that's a little it's different. It's a little much. So in 1989, Oprah Winfrey featured Michelle Smith and Laurel Rose Wilson, other authors of a satanic ritual abuse survivor memoir, on her program, uncritically warning her millions of viewers about the danger that satanic cults pose to their children. That's late. That's late eighties. Oprah uh-huh. Winfrey. That is eighty nine. Oprah. That is the like pinnacle. That's the pinnacle. Oh, yeah. of yeah. Oprah in the zeitgeist. <laughs> and if Oprah said this is happening, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People were like, oh yes, it is. Yeah, they talked they, about it on Oprah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And after what became the longest and most expensive trial in U.S. criminal case history, all the accused in the McMartin preschool affair were acquitted. Finally acquitted. In 1990, a jury acquitted the McMartin Preschool defendants on some charges and deadlocked on others, saying it was impossible to determine the truth from the children's testimony. A second prosecution ended in a mistrial. Prosecutors, having spent $15 million already, dropped the case. Mm -hmm. Kyle Zerpolo, one of the former McMartin students who made allegations to the police, stated to the Los Angeles Times, I lied. It was an ordeal. I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to get out of here unless I tell them what they want to hear. And there it is. Because they put 80s Southern California police investigators in the same room with children. Well, I mean... Pressuring them. You just look at any other um, coerced confession oh, yeah. or coerced witness statements. Also, these were children? Yes. Here's something super easy. You just go, well, those other kids said this. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's why as a school counselor, when I was a school counselor, the first rule of thumb was do not lead. Yeah. Yeah. Because children will just go with children it. Children yes, want they a leader. Yes. They need a leader in situation, especially when they're in that developmental stage of, if this is preschool, that's anywhere from like four to six at that point. That oh, is yeah. when that mind is so developing. Influential. I had to, they I need had to, oh, a leader. Yeah. And if you show up as a police officer, someone mm-hmm. they've seen and been told this is a police officer. An authority figure. Yeah, you're going to tell them the truth. But if the truth doesn't look good enough, which is yeah. the way you know an investigation kind of goes, mm-hmm. then that kid's going to try to make the truth. And I have no doubt that 99% of it was leading. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because when I, I mean, I've seen it firsthand where I've been in the room with police officers and children, and I would open, you always ask open-ended questions because you want them to tell their, you don't want to lead them by saying, that's what happened, right? Yeah. You exactly. don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. they'll go, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
It's uh-huh or I don't know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, okay, so then in 1991, we have the arrest of Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, Jeffy. Uh, did not make matters any better because it quickly reignited the fear of Satan and the occult because he was a cannibal, right? Yeah. We, we knew yes. that he was, we found out that he was eating people and we didn't know how to mentally cope with that. Thou shalt not be weird, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And so people were convinced that acts like this could never be committed by anyone other than someone absolutely possessed I mean, by the devil. I mean, it could totally be committed by any human being with a yes. fork and knife, but yes. you know, whatever. Yeah, and, and that was the point too, is that um, again, just like with Bundy, they look so average. They look so normal. You would never suspect. I would posit that it'd actually be worse in Dahmer's case when you think about it. Because... He looks way average. Well, it's worse than... If you look at Bundy, mm-hmm. Bundy looks like the epitome of normal guy that right. you have no reason to make fun of. You have no reason to attack or anything. Mm-hmm. Dahmer looks like a nerd. He does a he little bit. He looks like the guy that you yeah. shit on in high school. Like, yeah, if you want if you want to stereotype it, yeah, he did look more of a of the nerdy type. He looked yeah. well, he looked like the guy that you beat up in high school and took yeah. his lunch money. Yeah. That's what um, he looked like. The kind that gets bullied. Exactly. A lot. Well, and yeah. a lot of people, you know, there's been a lot I've heard this a lot, you know, when the movies come out and about him and people really start reading about Dahmer, the eyes. That feeds into the the devil, you know, thing because people don't understand he really did put in contacts oh, in his eyes. Right. But people think that his eyes just changed to that. Yeah. And yeah. so when you explain no, that was contacts. Yes. Yeah. He he actually did wear yellow contacts. But yeah. people think it's the de- you know, the devil yeah. thing coming out. One was around the first time that cosmetic contacts yes. like that were available to the yes. public. So And so yeah, people thought that he was legitimately demonic, demonically possessed yes. because he had yellow It's one eyes. of the reasons why in like any television show nowadays, you people are automatically creeped out by a demon character yeah. with yellow eyes. Right, That's yeah. the whole yes. reason why yeah. is Jeffrey Dahmer. It all, it all goes back. Like there's, so, you can, it's so crazy. And that's the reason why I put all of this stuff together is because everything correlates to it, it each does. other, uh, it really stemming, does. stemming back, stemming together, a big fat web. The, the only ghost that's real is the zeitgeist, <laughs> yo. <laughs> well, and you know what gets me is that it, these crimes are all horrible, every single one of them. It, but when you think about Dahmer and you think about this demon that's in his eyes, and then you're like, well, he put it in contacts. Mm-hmm. You're like, duh, duh, duh. You know yeah. what I mean? It just kind of takes that yeah. sensationalism out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. Oh, and we can't have that. No, no, no we no, no, have yeah. to have it's sensationalism. It's got to be a devil. Like, yeah. How yeah. are you not more afraid by someone putting that much effort I know. into it? I know. That's really scary. Yes. How did nobody notice them well, putting that much effort into these things? You hit that just right, what I always say. That truth is a lot scarier. It really than, is. It really than is. Than fiction. I absolutely pander to that mm-hmm. every single day. And it's actually not even due to the it's not even due to the EMT side of things. Mm-hmm. It's because when I was a kid, I made a mistake that I guess ruined me from society. I the public library used to have a book that was one of the oldest books on card magic and how to do magic. Oh yeah. And it has nothing to do with doing tricks. Mm-hmm. It has to do with how to manipulate people. Right. And yeah. It's one of those that it just blew up for me. It was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking at that hand. 
Yep. Oh my God! The, <laughs> like, the whole diversion, perception. perception, perception. Yes, yes. And yeah, it gets really scary, yo. When you think that, it's yeah. like, oh God, that book's from the 1800s. How people can really manipulate. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and there was. Um, oh boy, here we go. Uh, uh, we're like getting long on time, so okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna Let's smush yep. this one. All right, yep. Smush it. So, um, and. In the 90s, now I'm not saying this is the only era that ever had homophobia, but in the 90s, there was one, quote, satanic cult, the Kellers in Austin, Texas, um, where there were two couples, I believe they were two separate couples, lesbian couples, that were accused of um, satanically, ritually abusing their children. And they were actually convicted for it. They were convicted. They they did a lot of time. There was only physical evidence against the Kellers in the form of testimony. Uh, again, that stands on what the children were saying and how they were being manipulated by investigators and stuff like that. So there was there's a lot going on at this time where it almost seems like if it's not normal... Um, if we don't like it, if we don't approve of it, we're just going to blame it on Satan. We're going to blame it on the devil and we're going to prosecute them and the, say that they're horrible. Weren't people. the Kellers the ones accused of like literally mutilating a baby? Um, there, there was a lot of things that they said that they did. Yeah, there Here, it is. Here's some of the things that they said that they did. Uh, okay. Baptizing child, their children in blood and disemboweled pets. Um, forcing their children and other children Mm -hmm. to drink blood, uh, decapitating and chopping up a baby at some point, which no one ever found, (laughs) and putting the remains in a swimming pool and then making the children swim in that swimming pool. Uh, At one point, and this is so freaking crazy, at one point they are said to have stolen a baby gorilla from a park or a zoo and cut off one of his fingers and did something with it, ate it. I don't know what they did with it. Um, they apparently also like to dress in robes. They dug weird graves and cemeteries to hide dead animals. They were um, they were caught by a passerby who was shot, and then they carved that guy up with a chainsaw, and they buried his parts all over the place. It was insane. It was insanity. And these were things they said during the trial that and- they had gathered from children's testimonies. And there's no way that, I mean, I understand that children have crazy imaginations, but there's no way they didn't lead these kids. There's no way. Plus, there's also the trips to Mexico things, the the, the, government military bases. What now? Yes, yeah, and yes, that was another thing. And these people actually spent 21 years in prison. Um, They got 48, like a 48-year sentence and weren't released until 2013. Um that they even one of the couples was eventually awarded like three million dollars for a wrongful conviction but if you look at um newer articles you will see that it was it was heavily based around homophobia heavily it It very much was yeah because the most recent addition to the satanic panic in the early 90s was don't ask don't tell yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. So then in 92, 
The National Center for Analysis of Violent Crime released an official booklet entitled Investigator's Guide to Allegations of Ritual Child Abuse. And it wasn't just America. Police patrolled the streets of Martinsville, Saskatchewan, Canada with assault rifles because of rumors that Satanists were coming to attack their town. Later that year... Uh, FBI agent Kenneth Lanning, who is like really should be hailed as a superhero in this whole tale. Oh yeah. Because he eventually released, he's an FBI agent, eventually released this exhaustive report where he investigated decades of stuff. Um, and it was a report on the presence of satanic ritual abuse in America. Okay. His conclusion was, um, that there wasn't any that there never was any, ever. Um, he said, quote, hundreds of communities all over America are run by mayors, police departments, and community leaders who are practicing Satanists and who regularly murder and eat people? Not likely, end quote. He found that there, were no, there was no evidence of any real or actual occult sacrifice ever happening in the U.S., ever. Despite the extremely widespread belief in such activities. And to be honest, I haven't found a single one either. Like, uh, and I mean like some sort of real yeah. cult, mm -hmm. satanic sacrifice. It just doesn't exist. It's just, it never happened. His report concluded that the vast majority of child testimonies regarding satanic ritual abuse stemmed from some combination of urban legends, child imagination, and overzealous interveners who would push children toward desired answers during questioning. So... Again, leading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in 93, early 93, you have the Siege of Waco. Um again in 93 you have a survey by the american bar association on children and the law they found that 26 percent of prosecutors reported handling at least one case with elements of alleged ritual abuse that like these people were just being alleged hundreds of people were accused some of them convicted some of them saw you know prison time um over crimes that they probably never committed, something that never even existed. It's been going on since the foundation of this country, and it never stops. Mm -hmm. And and one of those trials was the West Memphis, West Memphis Three that happened in '94. And the only thing more popular than a public forum is a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a negative public forum. Yep. And you have um, another San. You have another Texas case in '94, the case of the San Antonio Four. Uh, which we might cover at some point. I don't know, but that that was again like a bunch of just junk science and um, child testimony. Uh, again, homophobia. Yep. Um, and then in later in '94, you have the National Center of Child Abuse and Neglect that actually corroborates Agent Lanning's report and says that yeah, there were twelve thousand accusations of this stuff and it never panned out. None to be them, none of them can real. be substantiated no. in any way. Mm -mm. In 1995, you even see Geraldo Rivera make a public apology for his involvement in promoting promoting the belief in recovered memories and satanic ritual abuse, saying, "Quote: I want to announce publicly that as a firm believer in the Believe the Children movement in the 1980s that started with the McMartin trials in California, I am now convinced that I was terribly wrong, and many innocent people were convicted and went to prison as a result. 
wonder so. if that had to do with his wife getting in trouble for the bombing. Probably. Oh, who knows? Uh, so I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Regression. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's a new, yeah. newer movie. Came out in 2015. It's got Ethan Hawke and Emma Watson. It's not a great movie. No. Okay, no. I, I'm just gonna lead with it's not a great movie. But if you want to see what it looked like, basically, um, for someone to make up a bunch of stuff about satanic ritual abuse, uh, it's it's a good movie to watch. Um, and and I even think his um, character at the end literally goes, I cannot believe that I bought into any of that. Yep. Yeah. And there were, I mean, we're talking over all of these years, there were toys. It wasn't just Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes. There were toys. There was um, My Little Pony. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. At one time, uh, what was the other? Rainbow Bright mm-hmm. at one time was Any, demonic. Anything that was popular with children yes. was yeah. likely going to be scrutinized by a yeah. lot of these a lot of these organizations. It, yeah. yeah. And, and you just have media you have especially anything that dealt with magic well yes yes and then you have these documentaries you know and stuff oprah talking about it and fanning the flames you've got these actual real crimes and criminals these serial killers doing actual horrific things and that really happened it might not be satanic, but it did really happen. And so to rationalize, you know, how are we going to rationalize these things? Oh, what well, I want to know is be the how devil. many people got a lesser sentence that deserved a greater sentence That's, because yeah. they, it was popular at the time to say yeah. the devil made me do it. Yeah. And, and that's a big question. Like this isn't just... We could sit here and talk about different things from from all of this all night long. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, because there's it's so ongoing. many different things. It's yes, n- and it will never end no. for as long yeah. as there is a humanity to make it happen. No. That's the case. This is the nature of humankind. And yeah. as long as there's something for, to be blamed on. Yes, and so that's my big ending question for both of you, mm-hmm. um, Simon. I'm gonna let you answer first. Uh, do you believe? that satanic panic is still present today. Absolutely. I because I don't I don't believe that it's just a recent thing. No. The concept either. of a satanic panic in this in these regards it's because of human in nature to need an answer for the bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, because not everybody has the mental fortitude to be able to sit down and go, that bad thing happened because that bad thing happened. Right. And right. some people can't. They just can't. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But I also understand that there's plenty of other people who are capable of capitalizing on the people right. who can't grasp those things. Right. That's right. So, yes. Which is why we had so many cults as well during these times. We had Heaven's Gate. We had, you know, Jonestown. Mm-hmm. We had stuff like that happening. And... Pick it's, your poison. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, no pun intended. No, yeah. I'm just but, but I mean. It that, wasn't a pun. It was an insult. <laughs> that's, but that's literally the epitome of it people is. feeding into other people's fears, telling them that we know it's scary out there. Mm-hmm. So come be with us and we'll. And we'll, we'll fight the scary yeah, together. Yeah, we'll keep you safe. At least you're on the good side. Yeah. Now, and so you're absolutely right. And Pick and, a historical record that doesn't talk about that thousands of years ago. Yeah. What's yeah. good, what's bad. There you go. Yeah, and that's the thing about it, too, is that um, Mandy, you and I were talking about this the other day because her daughter was writing a, a thing 
for her school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about gaming, just in oh, general yes. gaming, and um, about how uh, gaming and violence correlate. And I don't think it does. I don't think videos make you video games make you violent. Violence has been around since the dawn of man. We did not need video games a hundred years ago for pinning bad bad things on other things like that. Is somebody who is too scared to admit that humanity is capable of being Ted Bundy? Well, I mean, just a couple hundred years ago, we were burning people at the stakes. Video gaming or just tabletop gaming did not invent that concept and yeah. it does not promote that concept. It doesn't make that happen. It just yeah. makes that happen for you because you <laughs> don't want to bother with what your kid is interested exactly. in. Exactly. People yeah. use it as a face, as yeah. a shield. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. To do bad things. Mm-hmm. Just when, like they used satanic panic. When you have a shield like that, mm-hmm. that you can hide behind to do bad things, then you can find almost justification in yourself. Oh, absolutely. Why yeah. you're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, this one's not as bad as the other one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I really think a lot of people that, you know, do killings and do bad things, that's what they, they think in their head is, you know what? It's not that bad because I believe this. And they yeah. convince yeah. themselves yeah. to believe it. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're um, a psychopath, you're you're going to not have the empathy part of your brain there anyway. Oh, yeah. And so it's all going to be about you, you, mm-hmm. you. And, and your justification. And your justification. Yeah. So just you because, don't care. Just because you went to church on Sunday doesn't mean you didn't no. cut off an ambulance on the highway going 85 miles per hour. Yeah. But it's like they cut you off. Well, that, if you're a sociopath, you know, or a psychopath. Exactly, yeah, exactly. that ambulance cut me off. Yes. Exactly. I had places to be. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like nobody wants to actually look at humanity in the whole here, which is that it, humans did this. Humans mm-hmm. do these things. Human, it, I I posit to say that things like this is, is kind of human nature. It is, entirely. Well, and there's so many things. I mean, our... Our minds are incredible, incredible things. Absolutely. And, and there are so many things when you get serotonin levels off and you get your levels off in your brain. If you were, you know, born without parts of your brain functioning correctly, the left and the right, you know, con- connecting together correctly. There's so many dark turns you can take to to go down a path that you honestly go down that path and you believe that's the right path for Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And you take that to another level where you convince people, you convince yourself that these actions are okay because you're, you're hiding behind a a shield and Mm -hmm. you think you can help them and you can, you can be that person for them like Manson Mm -hmm. that saves them. If you are operating under a set of guiding principles that you yourself did not create, then there's right. a very good chance that you could be made to do anything. Yeah. Yes. Very yeah. good. That's yeah, that's yes. exactly. That's just it. There's nothing wrong with having there's nothing wrong with having a philosophy that makes you that you associate with doing good and it helps you do good mm-hmm. things. There's nothing wrong with that. Except when somebody who you trust in that philosophy tells you to do things that you know are wrong 
but the philosophy says is okay. Right. Yes. Right. And then that takes away almost your culpability. Yes. In your mind. Yes. Yeah. And that's why you see the followers, you know, again, of Manson being so loyal to him, even after the fact, mm-hmm. because that culpability in their mind was gone. Exactly. Gone. The right. only thing worse than having your agency taken away is giving it away freely. Right. Yeah. Have you ever been alone at night and decided to put on a scary movie? Soon you start looking over your shoulder and hearing noises in the house. You check under the bed before nestling in it and you would never be caught letting your toes peek out of the covers. In that moment of the unknown, it's easier to believe that something could be real, especially when millions of others already believe it. And I'm not here to tell you that demons or the devil they're not real, nor do I disbelieve in those who claim to have been possessed or see demons. I believe that they may believe that. And there are real occurrences of cults like the Manson family that was a real tangible fear for society at the time. But claiming that listening to certain songs that have subliminal messaging or dabbling in the occult in any way will bring on demons to me isn't a viable worry that we should bestow upon ourselves for me the real evil lies in the actions of man not the devil Thanks for listening to this special episode. Catch more next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?